2: Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Welcome in our buddy Joe Patrick. Joe, how are you?
3: Uh, Chris, I'm doing good, man. I've been like waiting for this weekend of NFL action for the well, basically since last weekend. ended. So I, to me, this is the best weekend of NFL football of the year. So it's very exciting.
2: I agree, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Joe. Haven't talked about these games for one second yet because of <laughs> everything going on with the Falcons right now. Mm-hmm. So it's been wall to wall Falcons coverage. So Let me start with this. Initially, it seemed like everybody thought that because Bill Belichick was announced first to get a second interview, that that was like a humongous deal. Now we hear that a few different coaches are going to get second interviews. So just where do you think things stand right now? Yeah, I mean,
3: listen, I think right now, I I said this a few days ago, and I haven't really wavered off of this despite the fact that the Bill Belichick uh, Kind of narrative really got got spun into uh, overdrive lately, but I I still think if if I were to have to take a guess today as to who I think the next coach is going to be, I think you know Bill Belichick probably has the best odds of anybody at this point. I would still make him my favorite, but at this point, I would still say that it's more likely that some the field basically anybody other than Bill Belichick. Is still more likely I I don't think that it's anything set in stone at this point. Um, You do wonder how those meetings actually went because, as you know, it doesn't seem I, I would think that anybody who's doing virtual interviews is not meeting on a virtual interview with Arthur Blank as opposed to Bill Belichick whose introductory interview or his first interview obviously was a one one on one with Arthur Blank so You know, I think that things have just progressed farther with Bill Belichick than the Falcons have been able to get to with any other candidates. And a lot of that is just because of the rules that are in place and the fact that Bill Belichick is, you know, not an employed coach, so he's able to do things that some other coaches can. Similar with Jim Harbaugh, who we know now is going to interview early next week as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I still think it's basically wide open at this point. I think think a lot of the – One of the reasons why this has gotten spun up so much with Bill Belichick is, one, he's a national figure, obviously extremely prestigious coach. So that's going to drive a lot of national headlines. And then I think, you know, just locally, you have a lot of concern about what that hire might look like and what might manifest within the Falcons organization if it were to happen.
2: I've seen more coverage of the Falcons on ESPN this week than I have since I got to Atlanta three years ago. And that's (laughs) not an exaggeration. And that includes Matt Ryan retiring. That includes the Julio Jones contract. That includes Calvin Ridley getting suspended. I have seen more coverage of the Falcons in the last few days than I can remember at any point in my time here. All right, Joe, if I said to you this, Terry Fontenot will have blank percent of the power he has now if Bill Belichick becomes
0: the head coach, you say what? Call from mom. Answer it
3: Oh, man, it's really tough. But, I mean, I would say um, if if Bill Belichick, I would say, like, 50% maybe. Like, he would still be needed to to run things. Like, when you you have a personnel department, you still have to have, like, you know, people in an organizational chart that, you know, who reports up to who with, like, scouts and pro scouts, um, you know, and everything kind of gets filtered up. But I just say 50% because I feel like, the final say uh, of things would be kind of taken away from him. You know, like that that would – and this is just me kind of speculating about how the situation would manifest. But I, I do think that, you know, he would lose a lot of that kind of executive authority that you, that you typically have when you're the GM in terms of building the roster. And that would, um, you know, essentially not be his role anymore. He would basically be running the personnel department, but he would be doing it maybe not so much in – terms of what his particular vision is um but could kind of be more in line of like you know following on with what bill belichick would want and i would i would just have to think that that's how it's going to go assuming that he even is still in the role of bill belichick uh becomes the coach
2: talking all things falcons with our buddy joe patrick here chris thomas hanging out with you until seven o'clock hawks pregame then on sports radio 92.9 the game all right let's play another game here True or false, if Bill Belichick becomes the head coach of the Falcons, Kirk Cousins will be the Falcons starting quarterback.
3: (laughs) Man, see, and this is yeah, talk about this is also kind of part of one of the reasons why I think that this narrative spun up. I think it's probably likely. I mean, like I, I can't see them signing Bill Belichick to be the coach and then trading up for a rookie quarterback who you plan to be your starter that year. Like, I just don't think that that would be a cohesive strategy. I don't think that that's what Bill Belichick would say that he wants when he's in these uh, quote unquote interviews, which are probably more like, you know, hash it out meetings and let's kind of like, you know, battle plan how, how we do things. I'm sure that he's telling them that, listen, he, your organization is really close to winning. I like a lot of your players. I think this is a really good roster. You just need a quarterback that's going to take you over the top right now. And, you know, that can be a Kirk Cousins. And I, I still think that, um, you know, it would be a wise strategy for the Falcons to pursue that, no matter whether it's Bill Belichick or whoever. And then potentially you could sign a Kirk Cousins, or, you know, he's just kind of the most high profile veteran experienced quarterback out there. And then you could still kind of trade up into the bottom of the first round to grab one of these, not obviously one of the top three, because I think that those three quarterbacks, the top three quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three in this draft. But you could see a Bo Nick slip. You could see a Michael Pennick slip. And, you know, the, the Packers have had a lot of success over the years with both Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love in terms of drafting a, a a top prospect quarterback in that kind of lower first round range and let them really develop and learn how to prepare under an experienced, successful quarterback. And so I don't think that that would necessarily be a bad move, but I don't think that it's the thing that is going to really inspire this, this Falcons fan base. And that, again, gets down to this kind of, major difference that I think we're both seeing Chris in terms of what the national media thinks is the best route and trajectory for the Falcons to take during this coaching staff and how fans here in Atlanta are feeling about it. Cause it, what's interesting to me is that while fans have been, you know, upset with the way that the last season has gone, it was incredibly disappointing uh, by all accounts. Um, they still want to see like the, the longer term vision in place. I, local fans want to see um, you know, a, a young a guy with a lot of, you know, ideas offensively um, and potentially grabbing, you know, trading up to to grab a long-term quarterback for you. Uh, it's interesting how these kinds of notions are differing between the national media or national interest and then what we're seeing interest locally.
2: Fascinating stuff here with our buddy Joe Patrick here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Thomas with you until 7 o'clock. Hawks pregame comes your way then. All right, Joe, we're going to get a little uh, listener contribution to the show. Love this. Got a really good question on our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line at 404-726-0929. Seems like the Falcons are interviewing just about everybody. I mean, we're talking almost 15 candidates deep at this point. Why not Ryan Nielsen?
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I I think it's probably down to the fact that – it, it to me it's almost similar to Mike Rabel and I know that that sounds like ridiculous because Mike Rabel is actually getting an in-person interview reportedly uh, next week but I do think that maybe he's a little bit maybe, maybe a little bit like too much of, a, of an ally for Arthur Smith as a guy that he brought in and there's also listen like he did a great job with the defense but you know, he hasn't been like a defensive play caller for that long. He hasn't had a lot of experience in his career kind of dealing with the entire roster. And I think that that's something that's really important to take account. And that's why I really like the idea of a of guy like Raheem Morris, who in his career has, you know, dealt with both sides of the ball. Same with Bobby Slowick. He used to be a, a linebacker's coach uh, with with Washington. Um it's really important for head coaches to be able to to know how to kind of touch all, all the players on the roster from, you know, the star quarterback to the last guy that you need, that's going to make the team and contribute on special teams. And I think that that's why when you look at around the league, like John Harbaugh is a special team comes from a special teams background. And those, those coaches tend to deal with everybody on the roster because they have to pick players and work with them from, from both sides. And so, I think that, it, honestly, there's just a lack of experience that I think Ryan Nielsen has. While I think he's a very promising coach and he did a great job last year, um, I just don't think that he's quite I, – well, I don't want to say that he's not ready because that sounds condescending, but I just don't think that when you're looking at all the options that you have, um, it's it, you know, I just don't think that – I think there are other coaches that are better, and I think that also just from a coaching – from a personnel perspective – it really feels like the organization is looking at moving on for a, a true fresh start, and I think that that's kind of shown in the fact that they are now allowing Nielsen and some of their other coaches to interview for some of these lateral moves.
2: Do you think this will be done by the time the Super Bowl is over?
3: Yes, I do. I do. I, 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 I still don't think it will happen this week, but I, I think probably next week. Is if, I had to, if I had to pin it down and just take a pure guess as to when the decision, the announcement, is finally going to come, I would say that it's probably next week. If you look at the Arthur Smith hiring, he was done January 15th. So we're already past that actually. But um, now there's there's rules where the Falcons can't even interview uh, coaches in person who are employed by the the league until this coming Monday. So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. There are more interviews that will continue to happen, um, especially for them to satisfy like Rudy rule things and, uh, and such. So, uh, I don't think that it's. I don't think it will take that long, but I still think we're probably a couple of weeks away.
2: For me, Joe, as we're wrapping up our conversation with uh, Falcons reporter Joe Patrick here on ninety two nine, the game. I don't want another OCDC, because for me, this has been the retread, the rehire, sort of a you know blueprint for the Falcons the last few coaching cycles, and clearly it hasn't worked. It's worked to varying degrees. You got to a Super Bowl, but you lost. You made the playoffs the next year, but you lost in the divisional round. And then you haven't made the playoffs since. So for me, Joe, I know that they're doing their due diligence and, you know, finding all these guys that are OCs and DCs across the league. But for me, that's just not the route to go. What say you?
3: Um, You know, I don't really have that much of a preference. I mean, I think that we've seen – it work when, if you, if you get the right guy, it's almost, you know, it's like hitting the lottery, basically kind of similar with draft picks, you know, and it goes back to that whole kind of crapshoot conversation that started after that, uh, that press conference with Arthur Blank and Rich McKay. But, you know, who's to say that Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick isn't going to be kind of the next uh, Sean McVay, um, you know, or Kyle Shannon or even like a Kevin O'Connell, you know, uh, he, I think he's been a pretty good hire for Minnesota Um, coming from being the OC for McVay from the Rams. But I think it can also work obviously the other way where you get a more experienced candidate, someone who's been a head coach before. And I honestly, if I were to choose, like I'm with you, I kind of, I have more kind of, I I would feel more security in dealing with a coach who's kind of been there, has an understanding. And I do think that it it has, I feel like it has to play into um, the thoughts of the organization that, you know you just hired a uh, uh this kind of o c the young o c type and it didn't go well so um are you just going to kind of you know pull that lever again that lever on the slot machine again and hope that it spits out sevens or are you going to you know try to pivot and change course uh, I think that those are the kinds of conversations that are happening in the organization and you know we'll see where where it shakes out. It's weird because when I look at my list of like preferred candidates, it's kind of a mix you know like i really like harbaugh and he's definitely the more experienced you know head coach program builder type and i also like some of these coordinators so where does mike vrabel rank who's who's gonna be the best where does mike
2: where does mike vrabel rank for you joe because he's my number one
3: he's probably my number two i would probably say harbaugh and then vrabel but again it's hard for me for similar reasons we were talking about nielsen it's hard for me to see them hiring mike vrabel just because of the connections that he has Arthur Smith, I'm happy that they are interviewing him. And that doesn't seem to be, you know, kind of part of it. Cause I do think that these coaches should be evaluated objectively uh, and what they can offer you. But um, yeah, I mean, I I like that these these guys kind of have the experience of, of just a vast experience of working in the NFL and, and working within organizations, being able to maneuver. Cause there's so much that goes into head coaching that's beyond You know, calling the plays or even developing the game plan during the week. You know, you gotta deal with media, you gotta deal with the owner, you gotta deal with you know all these different stakeholders in the team. And so, um, I would personally feel more comfortable with someone who is has experience with that. But we've seen it be successful otherwise. So we'll just see what happens. I guess. uh,
2: It's so interesting you say that because I've heard that a few times. Like, oh, you can't go back to the same well. So if you feel like Bryce Young is going to be a bust can you not draft Jalen Milrow the next year right. If, if, right. You, if if you thought Troy Smith and JT Barrett at Ohio State put a curse on quarterbacks coming out of your <laughs> school Joe does that not <laughs> yeah. mean that you don't take CJ Stroud I just don't get right. that argument Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel are not the same person in fact they're actually very different
3: oh yeah 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 totally uh it, for me it's almost more like I'm interested that I'm interested that Mike Vrabel is interested in the Falcons <laughs> because that guy is not going to be short of opportunities to coach in the NFL and if he truly had a you know close relationship with Arthur and and you know I don't know how Arthur Smith exactly feels about how his situation ended but if, I'm, I'm sure a lot of fired coaches feel hard done by by decisions and um it's actually just kind of encouraging to me honestly that this the that it's moved forward, um, the interview process with with Vrabel. And, yeah, and he's an Ohio State guy, too. So, you know you know what? Maybe I would have to make Vrabel number one. What am I doing having Jim Harbaugh as my number one? That's yeah, crazy.
2: that's right, Joe. We brought him and It took 16 right, minutes, but we brought him around. There we go at the end of the interview. <laughs> Joe Patrick now on the Vrabel train. That's what I'm talking about. All right, my friend, enjoy the football this afternoon. We'll talk next week.